Hello and welcome to the podcast, Life As A, a show intently focused on exploring and unearthing the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. On today's show, we're going to dive into a conversation with a guest who is truly living both the professional and personal life filled with flavor. It starts with their past global escapades of working on renowned entrepreneurship initiatives through to her participation and work on world aid development programs. Most recently, however, she has immersed herself into the world of film and entertainment. Here, as she provides an unfiltered look into what that industry is really like. Elena Omura is an aspiring writer and director. Having attended Prague Film School, She is currently working on her first short film and is involved in the production of a burgeoning Amazon series hit show. Elena is an assistant to the director and currently based in Prague, where filming is ongoing. As of recording, this show was the most watched series premiere of 2021 and one of the top five series launches of all time for Prime Video. So yeah, Elena has been part of a professional experience that not many of us could claim to fully comprehend. Before all of this, Elena worked in Tokyo, Japan, and on major projects like Global Entrepreneurship Week, and she's also a member of a Tokyo-based development and aid agency, Hope Japan, where she actively participated in programs in resource-vulnerable Southeast Asian and African countries. On that note, Elena, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to yeah. be here. No, I'm really excited about our conversation today. I think we're going to cover a lot of interesting points. So let's just jump into the first segment. And it's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And basically what I'm doing here is reading off a definition of your profession according to what Wikipedia defines it as. One of the reasons I like doing this is, one, it kind of gives an idea, a basic overview of what your profession's about. But also, I like how it's a jumping off point and highlighting some of the things that aren't included in the definition. And it kind of allows us to kind of dive into the hidden intricacies of what your job is really about. Is that fair? Does that sound good? Yeah, it sounds good. All righty. So here we go. Assistant to the director. The role of an assistant to the director is often confused with assistant director, but the responsibilities are entirely different. The assistant to the director manages all of the directors in development, pre-production, while on set, through to post-production, and is often involved in both personal management as well as creative aspects of the production process. All right, there it is, Elena. What do you think? Is it accurate? And is it... I, I would say it is accurate, but also I think assistant director and director's assistant, director's assistant, which is what I am, gets confused a lot. And so I'm just going to refer to myself as a DA from now on. But I do feel that the explanation is accurate, but also every DA's experience can differ because it largely comes down to what the director wants of their assistant and also what the project is. And in some cases a DA's role I think can be uh, include creative input and in my case it does not include creative input but absolutely it does the aspect of uh, supporting the director through all the personal management and big 
generally I think it applies to every DA is management of the schedule is a big one. And mm. so, yes, I would say that is quite accurate. I mean, I, I could, if you would like me to, I could go into a little bit more about what the difference between an, an AD and assistant director and a, and a DA, a director's assistant is because, uh, but yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was one thing that when I was researching myself about this, I had no idea. And it was a little bit confusing for me, at, you know, initially. So I think right. this would be an interesting point, I think, for a lot of people to uh, to hear about. So sure. Right. So the AD has a very big job of managing the entire schedule of the production, like in terms of the shooting schedule, like when things are going to be shot, keeping everything on time. I'd imagine that's probably one of the biggest challenges. Yes, it's very, very important. And basically making sure that everything runs smoothly, it's on time, and he or she is the person shouting like, roll camera and action and well of course the director might call action sometimes but especially on a big set it's usually actually the ad doing that um and running as we call it the floor the floor being the set very it's a very vocal job and you need a lot of gusto and energy for that it's yeah Mm. and the da on the other hand is um yeah i'm definitely not the one shouting on the floor and i'm the one uh quietly assisting the director in the shadows i would say And as you can imagine, a director has a gazillion things to do. Not every director has an assistant, but I think many of them prefer to have one to help them manage their own schedule within the production. And as I said earlier, like many, many meetings to go through and even during the shoot, like learning how to stay on time, all of these things are important and an AD can't be expected to necessarily manage all of those finer points in a director's schedule either and so mm. but but i work very closely with the ad okay yes in terms of i guess some of i don't know the stresses or pressures associated with that i mean i can sort of just imagine right now myself but hearing it from you probably would would shed a, a whole different level of insight mm-hmm. and also maybe perhaps as well moments of elation or excitement that are associated with the the job could you speak to those points as well well i mean I guess the the biggest points of elation for me are when I see like an incredible performance on screen and a shot, a difficult shot go really well. I think as a DA, you feel you can appreciate the successes of a director and also feel their anxiety and their pain. Mm -hmm. And well, yeah, largely, I mean, what's quite harrowing for me is if the director is not in a good position, it's also down to me <laughs> a lot of the time. And so okay. yeah, it's definitely what I consider, like if if I've managed to make my director stay on time and if in my own small way helped my director like accomplish what she desires, then yeah, no, that's definitely a point of elation for me. Mm. In terms of the stresses and pressures, I mean, you've mentioned a few times now, like keeping on time, keeping the schedule. Could you yes. elaborate on that point? Like what really can knock things off course as far Ooh. as that goes? There's probably several things, but what is your biggest fear every day in terms of that aspect of the schedule of the, the production being affected adversely? In terms of me making an error in her schedule okay. <laughs> or, and, and like forgetting to do something actually, because of course, um, 
if the director is not where she's supposed to be. That's affected a lot. And I guess maybe one good way to like look at it would be a film set, a production is one giant machine. And obviously the director is the key cog that needs to be in place all the time. Well, it's really on me if <laughs> she's supposed to be and if she's not on time. And so now I think I've gotten used to well, what's required of this job. Like, I don't find it as stressful, but definitely in my earlier days, I was very, very <laughs> stressed about yeah. this. And, and also, but what comes with that too is like, if something changes in what, like, let's say the director's schedule, it means communicating this to everyone and making sure that everyone is aware of the changes and vice versa if a department's plans have, have changed. I, have, I'm, I need to relate this to the director and everything. And so it's a lot of communication that's required and it can be stressful sometimes because, of course, you don't want to forget who you need yeah. to communicate things to. And sometimes, well, yeah, you aren't always conveying the best information, but you want to be, people can get quite upset with what you have to say sometimes. And so I would say there's a lot of people pleasing that is required of this job, I would say. Yeah, I would imagine like, again, it's just speaking off the cuff here, but my impression looking at it from the outside, it, that industry would seem to have a lot of egos within it, probably mm. a lot of different levels as well. And yeah, based on your positioning within that sphere, I suppose, not yours per se, but anyone's, those types of issues probably also, I would assume, come into come into play to a certain degree. I would say maybe like what definitely you need to learn to be very diplomatic. And mm -hmm. as you say, that there are a lot of a lot of egos around as well. Yeah. And of course, many lovely people, but a lot of egos and yeah. It can be a challenge at times. Yeah. But also at the same time, it sounds, you know, quite, quite exciting as well. I would kind of like to skip on over into a new segment here, Elaine, if that's all right. More or less a continuation of what we're doing here. It's a Q&A discovery. And I've got some questions for you. And the first one here, I'm going to ask, like, when I was introducing you, I talked about some of your past activities. I mean, you know, a development aid agency, Hope Japan. You were also involved in, you know, entrepreneurship activities. I'd be curious about what drew you into film and entertainment. Like what took you in that direction? I've always been a writer. Well, for me, that was my creative outlet and I've always loved writing. And while I was working for Hope International Development Agency Japan, a job that I did love, but the, the reality of working for an NGO in most cases is that you are financially struggling all the time because your salary is very low. And so to kind of address that factor, I started taking on jobs as um, what's called a fixer in Japan on the side. So a fixer in film basically is someone that um, I would help international film crews filming in Japan get their shots and like translate for them. Well, I worked a lot for Vice actually. Okay. And so um, yeah, these were like much smaller shoots compared to um, of course, I mean, like a tiny, but still, um, there'd be a lot of film crews coming into Japan and I would basically help them get their shots, do their research and find locations and all of these things. And, and that was my actually a major source of income for me. Mm. And as I started 
And as I worked on like various projects, I realized, you know, I really like loved filmmaking. And not only that, that I actually wanted to be in a position where I could make the creative decisions Mm. myself. That's when I really started thinking about directing. And thankfully, I was able to connect with some very inspiring filmmakers who really encouraged me. And yeah, that's how I decided to make the big switch. Excellent. Yeah. Well, it seems to be working out for you so far. And uh, it'll be interesting. to keep, Let's see. You know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I have another question for you here. And this one kind of returns to the present, I suppose, of where you're at. Now, I think, again, just your industry that you're working in right now, I mean, just the the fixation on it, you know, mm-hmm. people are always interested in in this particular you know, medium film. So I think people have a general understanding, you know, just through interviews with famous directors or actors and actresses, so on and so forth. It always comes up that, you know, working on set is a grind. And you probably hear that word a million times over in these types of interviews. And it, to me, it represents kind of like a surface level analysis. Like I, I can understand you putting in long hours and, and that would certainly make sense. But what I would like to know and like what I would like to explore a little bit more is what does that really mean? Like how does that word grind of working on a set how does it manifest itself say within your life whether it relates to i don't know the physical mental tools that it takes or the relate how it affects your relationships whether it's with the people on set or the people who are detached from that world you know Mm -hmm. your family or Mm -hmm. friends i'd like to kind of dig a little bit deeper if that makes sense to you yeah i think that's a great question and i mean the first thing that I will say, though, is, yes, we do all refer to it as the grind. But I think generally people in film, we are all addicted to this mm. grind. And it's a grind in the sense that like, I think when you're working on a shoot, it does take up your entire life, regardless of what your position on the film set may be, if you're on camera, if you're on lights, if you're on sound, if you're on production, you get engulfed into the world of that project very, very much. And because of the, um, the, the hours are long, but also, well, frankly, I don't, it's just one of those things where it's very difficult to have the mental capacity to think about much else beyond the world of whatever you're shooting in that mm. moment. And, but our hours tend to be crazy because you're either starting very early in the morning or you're doing night shoots, which means you're shooting throughout the night. And when you have your days off, well, I think, you're you're catching up on a lot of sleep and I mean it takes a lot of effort to like I think retain a social life outside of that and so um but at the same time it's a grind that we're addicted to because well being on set there's this sort of camaraderie between the crew well not always, of course, you know, there can be some like, terrible experiences for people or whatever, but it, it is, we call it like set addiction. Like you somehow mm, love being yeah. like on set. And it, it, it is very, very thrilling because, well, it's also, well, this sounds a little cheesy and maybe it is a bit cliche of me to say for it, like, but we all talk about it too. There is that beautiful moment when 
silence on set is cool. That's when everyone needs to shut the fuck up because we're going for a take and everyone is focused on their specific task in order to get that shot. And mm. it's, it's quite a beautiful moment when somehow all of these people are coming together and focused together and collaborating together and getting that shot. And it's uh, somehow, at least for me personally, I would say, I think I am romanticizing it quite a bit, <laughs> but it's what makes the grind worth it. Yeah, well, I think, I, I don't know if you are romanticizing it all that much. I mean, I was going to ask you, because you've used this word a few times, like addiction, you know, strangely yeah. becoming weirdly addicted to being on set. And as you said, it extends to to basically everyone who's working on that production. And I was going to ask why, like, what what do you think the reasons are for that? But I think you did kind of outline that. And th- there has to be something special in those moments when you have I don't know, hundreds of people that are all aligned and all in that moment, like you said, doing their job, doing their task. And it amounts to this, to this moment. And when it goes off the right way, it must be almost like, you know, the biggest high that you could ever get really. And uh, it pulls you in for the next one, right? It's like, okay, well, all right, we got this next one coming up. All right, let's do it again. Like, it's just that, I, I don't know, maybe that's what it is, but it's really fascinating to kind of look at it through that lens, I feel. Yeah, I think you're right. And again, the reason why I say that I romanticize it is because there are definitely people who would be like, you know, who would say, oh, come on, like, you know, that's, that's rubbish. But yeah, but um, depending on the day and like, you know, perhaps what the, for some people, it can just be a drug. But I would say at the end of the day, though, like many people feel like this way towards it. And what also, well, generally, I think there's so many characters in film somehow you all like can through this plethora of people everyone does understand one thing about at the end of the day which is what it is to be on a film set and like what the how how your lifestyle is what your schedule is and I think well that's why they say like a lot of couples are also for example it works if you're both in film because you can get each other I think right well yeah, I know a lot of people that well, were in relationships that are struggling as well because one partner is not in film and it's a little bit hard to for the other partner to like understand why their life <laughs> is that right. way. Yeah, and so that makes sense. Yeah, that is another sort of like camaraderie that can be shared. Then I guess having so much diversity like within that framework is also what keeps it interesting. Mm. No, I think that paints a really nice picture and gives a clear understanding or idea of to somebody like myself or others who are listening, kind of diving into it and, and, and understanding these elements that you don't typically hear. So thanks so much for sharing that, Elena. Maybe my next question here might even add on to that, but I kind of want to explore the idea. I mean, within, again, your line of work, there's this interesting sort of dynamic, you know, juxtaposition between these two elements, basically, like this extreme success possibility and then also like this this bust potential as well within your industry it seems like I, I guess this would apply the further you work your way up the ladder and you know the productions are getting bigger and bigger but it's interesting nonetheless and I feel that like what makes your industry so unique is that if you're tied into one of these productions that goes the right way that just overnight can become a success 
then the amount of doors that open up is you know, quite tremendous, probably, right? Your, your career can be set off in a whole different direction instantly. You know, and this is opposed to a lot of different types of industries or professions, I would say. But then conversely, if things don't go the right way, you know, mm. your name is attached to a project that perhaps, you know, didn't pan out the way people envisioned. Mm. And that mm -hmm. can also kind of adversely affect, you know, your career. I'd be curious to hear your comments on that. Like, what's it like to work within that type of environment? Is it, is it something maybe, maybe where I'm going with this, is it something that is consciously thought about by yourself or people within the industry? Or is it something that just sort of, you know, it's there, but you're not really focusing on it? Again, well, I do think it depends upon like what your position is and how important you are on that project or how much creative control and input you have on that project for, let's say for uh, an executive producer or a director or a director of photography, for sure, if the project that they worked on was a big flop, then the stakes are much higher for them. Right. If you are an electrician or a grip or even like a director's assistant, I would say the stakes are much lower. Right. in that sense and in some ways regardless on like the success level of that project if it's a very big project you can always add that you say that you worked on a big project and it's not your it wasn't your responsibility for the uh, for mm. the project's failure entirely so it I think but then again also it would also differ like if it's a much smaller project well then your level of responsibility within that project is already much higher so well let me put it this way I would say that the pros of working on a much smaller production are that yes you do have a lot more responsibility but then the stakes of your failures are much higher and then if you're working on a much larger production in a smaller role, well, the stakes are lower for you. But then, of course, your reputation, no matter what, will always matter. And I think this will lead into something that you wanted to ask about later, too. Well, regardless, you always want to retain, of course, a good reputation in the yeah. industry. And that's how you get the good jobs. And yeah, you don't want to have a bad reputation. Of <laughs> like course, yeah. Yeah. Well what I found interesting about it, I was just trying to compare it to other professions and, you know, say within business or elsewhere. And if you unsuccessfully execute a project, yeah, it's going, it's going to sting, no doubt. I mean, in any line of work that you do, but I was trying to think about whether or not those things would stick with you, but I guess it would certainly depend on the level and the position that you're at and within any, in any industry. It just seemed to me, again, from an outsider's perspective, that your industry in particular is still kind of I don't know, attaches a high level of importance to these things. But I think, yeah, the way you explained it does kind of walk that back a little bit. At the same time, though, like, well, regardless of, you know, how well your project did, your performance, of course, will always matter, right. regardless of whether the the project was, was a big success or a big failure, like the everyone who your colleague the, the crew members that you worked with will always remember your performance and so at the end of the day regardless your performance will always matter mm. but i wouldn't say but to what degree it's tied to the success of the project itself can vary yeah yeah 
Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that as well. All right. I have another question here for you, Elena. We kind of touched upon some of, you know, the, the challenges of working with industry, of course, some of the, you know, exciting aspects of it as well. For you personally, like what drives you right now within this industry? You've spoke to this point a little bit already, but I'd like you, if possible, to elaborate. Like, what is it? Where do you want to take this, I suppose, for yourself? Like, why do you, why do, you do this each and every day? What is it that gets you excited about this work? I love film. I, I really love film and well movies and for me personally I think it's one it's my favorite medium to express oneself creatively. Mm. Why, why is that? I mean, what exactly? What elements of it? Because well, like well, that it's also it, it's a convenient one because it brings so many things that I personally love together. It brings the writing factor, it brings the visual factor, it brings the sound mm. factor, including music, of course. Um, and that's something that often like, gets bypassed a lot, is, but like sound is very, very important in film as well. And so I love that you can work with all of these elements, of course, and the performance factor of the actors. And I love the fact that it's such a collaborative process. And it goes back to people working together to create a piece. And I think as a very, um, I mean, I love people as well. And so I, I love the fact that, well, to create a successful film or project, um, what's required is also excellent communication and collaboration between multiple people. And I, well, it's, it's a dream of mine or I'm definitely keen to direct. And so uh, that's why I do this. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I guess it's all these artistic elements that you just mentioned coming all together. Mm-hmm. And, and like you said, you know, kind of blending in the relationships of the people that, that are required to, to execute on these types of things. So no, I, I can see that. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I'd imagine that type of question, that type of answer is incredibly personal. You know, it's something that these things, these elements, how they resonate with each person is going to be different. You'd mentioned sound being one in particular of amongst all of them as being something that's important to you too. And uh, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, we are going to move into a new segment here. And this one's called the water cooler story. Basically here, I'm just asking guests to indulge the listeners with a story relating to their profession. It can be based around anything you like, but I'm really interested to hear what you've got, Elena. Well, I, I mean, so this one is like I, just kind of a funny one that's that was a big blooper that I did, but like I thought that, well, yeah, a big miss, like a big error that I made, but that's quite a funny one. But <laughs> that sounds but, good. Uh, uh, yeah, and so well, um, one of the worst things that that we could probably do on a film set is to um, end up in frame, as we call it, or end up in the shot when you're not supposed yeah. to be in the yeah, shot. You could imagine that probably uh, being <laughs> frowned upon to a degree. Yes, no, that's <laughs> something that you definitely want to avoid at, at all costs. And funnily enough, I think, well, yeah, yeah, I think we all experience it at one point. But yeah, I had um I had a very funny blooper and um well, there was a uh, there was a donkey on set, and um, 
because as I mentioned earlier, well, like I also did like a good amount of sound recording and um, other jobs as well. And so I am very appreciative of the fact of, of the need for things to be quiet on set as well. <laughs> and he started making a bit of a ruckus and I was so sure that this donkey was not in frame. But um, so, but I decided to like help the sound guys who like, because I figured that this donkey would be like ruining their sound. So I uh, walked up to the donkey and I started petting him to calm him down. And he was a very cute donkey. I, I will admit that I was keen to pet the donkey as well, but I, I was petting the donkey and like, and like managed to tame him. And then at the um, end of the take, uh, this guy just shouted, excuse me, young lady, you are in flame. And that was truly a, a mortifying experience for me. And um, thankfully, um, I was out of focus and like actually like not many people noticed. But yeah, that was um, that was a big, funny blooper of mine that to this day, uh, my crewmates uh, make fun of me for. And so, yeah, that was just a funny story. I don't know if maybe I, I could have come up with something a little bit more, uh, I don't know, inspiring, but yeah, that was just. No, no, no. Like this is exactly <laughs> what I think people want to hear. These, these silly moments, you know, things that you just, yeah. again, you, you don't normally hear these types of things and it kind of exposes, I think you or a listener to, to, to what life would or could potentially be, you know, on set and these things like that. I mean, obviously those types of things, can and will happen from time to time. And I'm sure as a professional within that industry, it would be an embarrassing moment, but it's also kind of funny to reflect on now, I'm sure. No, thank you. No, that was really good. All right. Well, we have one more segment to cover here, and it's something called a crystal ball segment. And as it sort of implies, we're looking towards the future. Normally, we're looking at like trends and predictions within the industry. But in terms of you, I'd kind of like to focus on you a little bit here, Elena. You know, when I was introducing you, you'd mentioned you're working on a short film. So I am working on actually, aside from this short film, like a couple of um, other projects that hopefully I'm going to be releasing soon, finally. A smaller, yeah, one is actually a dance video. Like I had a chance to work with a dancer from the National Theatre here and like, we, uh, yeah, we filmed a nice piece with her. So working on that and um, my short film, I'm still writing. I, I think it came up, but I like to be a writer director as well and so I am working on a script okay. as well in addition to my the short film that I've been working on which I wrote as well it's been very long work in progress so maybe taking far too long that's way and, and also but in terms of until I can really stand on my own two feet as a director and like get the the funds that I need to produce my films successfully. I hope um, I'd be very keen to like keep assisting directors. Like the yeah, the one reason why I really wanted this position on set is to be close to directors to see what they're thinking about. To like with any job, at the end of the day, experience it's it's hard to know what what it's really like to be a director especially on on a big project unless you're doing that yourself and then yeah being able to be close to a director was one way i figured would be a great way to learn further about this craft and mm. so aside from that though yeah i 
I'm kind of rattling off, but yeah, I guess there are a lot of like things I'd like to do, but also I would be keen to work on documentaries more as well. Like this is another niche of filmmaking that is very different to well, fiction filmmaking. And yeah, I do believe there are a lot of real stories to be told as well. And I'm very interested in getting into that as well. Okay. So I have a follow-up question on that. I was just thinking as you were speaking, uh, within this show, in this podcast, I had a musician on you know, earlier, mm-hmm. and we were speaking about the process of making music. And I'd asked her a question, and I, of course, acknowledging that this is probably a very personal process for each artist, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I, what I did ask her is whether or no, how she comes up with, say, a new song. You know, is it mm-hmm. based off a melody that comes first, and then the, the lyrics evolve after that? Or does it come from lyrics, and then a melody evolves? Now, in light of that question, I'd be curious, like applying that framework to say filmmaking for you, maybe in the future, a short film or other projects, would it be, and again, I know, I understand this is probably a personal question, but for you, would an idea say for a short film or a project evolve from a particular cause, something that you care deeply about, or you have passions for, and then you build a project around that, or conversely, is it something where come across some interesting piece of news, say, or a story with friends. And then from there, an idea takes shape and you decide, okay, I want to develop this into a project. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I can only really speak to, for myself, but I mean, of course, I think the inspiration can always come from anywhere, whether it be like a cause that you're interested in, as you said, or just like a, a piece of music or a story that you've had. But one thing as well, when it comes to fiction filmmaking, one thing that I hold very close to my heart is a piece of advice that a teacher from film school gave me, which is at the end of the day, write what you know. And why this I feel is so important and well, actually, as a filmmaker, I think you drawing on your own life is a very uh, good thing. Well, yeah, a good thing to do because when it comes to making a film, there's, as we talked about earlier, there's so many elements in it. Like, like let's say, like, you know, like the setting of a room. Like, you're not only are you just looking about what the actors are doing in the room, but what does the room feel like what does it sound like what does it what would the colors be like all of these things are things as a director that you I feel that you need to think about and so uh, drawing on what you know I'm not saying that you necessarily have to base your idea on your life experience but it is definitely as far as I'm concerned it is in your best interest to to be able to draw on your your knowledge of what something would feel like and in order to create that. And if sure, that doesn't mean I think that you have to limit yourself to your life experiences. You can write something that is completely fantastical to you or like something new to you. But in that case, do your research. Do your research so you can get to the point where you can really know what it might have felt like to live in the 13th century, like in that context. And for me, I think those are like the best films where you do feel that the directors really delved into all of that mm. as well. So I don't see that as a limitation at all. In fact, and in some ways it is also, well, having some limitations also leads to freedom 
creative freedom as well. And so, uh, so personally, I think I, I I do draw on yeah the things that have happened in my life, or like if I get interested in something, I try to like learn a lot more about that and. As a filmmaker, one thing that does really start to happen is it's like you find frames everywhere, like mm. in your daily life, you know, which is, they say, yeah, it, it's a cast and a blessing, I feel, because, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, as you develop, oh, this sounds so cheesy, but like the, the filmmaker's eye, as they would say, like, yeah, you start to find frames everywhere, like in, in the most... When, even in the most mundane moments in life, whether it's like riding a metro or something. And um, so, yeah, that's why I think I draw on my inspiration, mm, like to mm. watch people and also, yeah, also think about how I might feel in certain situations that. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. I think a, a lot of it, and when you were speaking about this point, I just kept thinking of the word authenticity, right? The more you know something, the, the more real it can be, the better you're equipped to to tell that story or to explain that situation, you know, in film or in any medium, right. I suppose, right? It's that. I think that's absolutely true. And it's um like when it's also one of those things where maybe like you learn to I, I think it's a tendency for not necessarily like younger people, but sometimes like you people are so keen to just create a, a, a completely uh, well they, they they because people don't find their own lives or their own experiences as interesting mm. they feel the need to go so uh, uh, much further out but then yeah that results in losing the authenticity sometimes I feel and that's a big lesson I had to learn myself that's a very big lesson and at the end of the day I think no matter who you are your life is interesting and there is something to be interested in and about it just as a matter of perspective and well when you can find that it leads to well honest expression I'm sorry I'm like I'm, I'm just pulling that from like Bruce Lee's like version <laughs> of honest expression but, <laughs> it's but, yeah. perfect it fits yeah I am a creator would like to honestly express yeah and so that would yeah absolutely if you can mm. yeah stay authentic then I think well, that's actually one of the greatest successes in creativity. Yeah. So. Well said, Elena. Yeah, thanks so much. I do think we are drawing to a close here, but I have to say, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know myself personally, one, learned a lot as well, but also two, I've just really enjoyed the conversation. I think the, the way you shared it, I think anyone who's listening to this will be able to kind of get a sense, get a feel for the life that you're living right now in terms of the the profession you're involved with. So again, I really do thank you for your time. Yeah. I hope it will be interesting to people and yeah, no, thanks a lot for having me. It was really nice to just talk about it with you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank great. You. For those interested in learning more about Elena and her work, you can find and connect with her through Instagram. And if you missed any of that information, it will be included in the show notes. Um, also today, I mean, if you like the episode, please share, 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 share. Now, of course, it's going to help grow the program. But also, too, I firmly believe that you know, the more we understand about one another, you know, in terms of some of the challenges, some of the uh, moments of excitement and elation, so on and so forth, it lessens the divide. And hey, I mean, where we're all at within societies around the world at the moment, you know, coming a bit closer together is never going to be a terrible thing. 
Also, too, if you feel so inclined, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. That does help a lot. And of course, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. And until next time, stay curious about life and living.